Welcome to another episode of Million Dollar Stories. My name is Mike Fallett, and uh, I help entrepreneurs bring their stories to life in a book in a very short amount of time so they can build their brand, their credibility, and their revenue streams. And a guy that we were able to work with recently is a man named John Evans. He put out a book recently called The Endgame, became a best-selling author. He's got a lot of cool stuff. And uh, one of the greatest things that uh, I was able to connect with him on is the escape from the corporate world. So, John, thanks so much for being here, man. Mike, I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you very much. I'm glad to uh, be back on with you. We spent, yeah. uh, we spent a lot of hours together. <laughs> yeah, that's what's crazy is that I get to meet these yeah. people all the time, work with them on their book for four and a half hours, get to know them. They become a bestseller and then I don't see them for a couple of weeks, you know? So it's like, it's nice to rekindle on the podcast. Absolutely. Anyways, let's get right into, I think the most exciting part, uh, and maybe this is your favorite part of the book, but what it was like to go from corporate employee to entrepreneur. Uh, I just made a post today. It was about a guy who jumped out of a parachute with, or jumped out of a, uh, a plane without a parachute in 2016 is the first person to ever do it and land unharmed in a safety net. And I said, that's exactly what it's like to be an entrepreneur. So what was it like for you to go from corporate employee with all the bells and whistles and you know the golden handcuffs, they call it, to starting a business? Yeah, man. So this is probably one of my favorite topics. I talk about it a lot with a lot of people. Um, you know, for me, a lot, you know, most people say it was very scary. And I'll be honest, it, it was a little scary, but but we had, you know, my wife and I, uh, we had a plan. So that that kind of eliminated some of that, you know, the, the scarcity mindset, if you will, being scared and also having that, you know, the scarcity mindset versus the abundance mindset. I had probably 80 percent abundance mindset uh, while I was in the transition. And I'd say it was an 80-20 rule. I probably had 20 percent of the scarcity mindset. So it was still you there. Know, yeah. You know, it was all about working that muscle. Um, as you and I talked about, and it's also in the book is, you know, how do you, you know, how do you train yourself and, and get past the mindset of, of the scarcity side in order to be all in on the abundance side? Um, yeah, I appreciate you putting that out there too. I, I saw it turning in the background. That's actually really yeah, I neat. always have it in the background. Yeah. So guys, this is what the book looks like on Amazon. You can pick it up today. Yeah, it's awesome, man. But yeah, you know, getting past that. But my thing was the reason um, it didn't take me that long to get past somewhat being scared to go ahead and just just go all in and make the move was I had my my wife as kind of my, you know, my uh, sounding block. And she was in the background pushing me along the whole the whole way. And I think it's very important as you as people see in the book, is you know, once they get it, read it is that the foundation, uh, you know, as you build it and you create that plan and you have the foundation and support from your family. You know, that's very important. And that was important for me. So although it was scary to leave a safe, cushy job making, you know, the, the hundred and something K a year off to just jump it all in on, on the business side of things, because we were we were fairly uh, a new business. You know, we were doing it as a side hustle on the property management side and, you know, jumping all in was hard to do at first because we just took, you know, the. 8,700 or so month, a month coming in net, you know, to go into very little uh, in the beginning. So I think a lot of people, what happens is whenever they start thinking about that and they really, it really gets in their own, they get in their own head. And then they're like, wow, you know, no way I can make it on 3,500 a month when I've been making it on 8,700 a month, plus whatever their spouse might be making, you know, at the time. So 
you know, we had our rentals, we had the, the property management where we were managing our own rentals. And then we, we were able to build out the, uh, you know, build, build out the property management going and, and managing for other people fairly quickly. So me being afraid and scared, um, I got out of my brain very fast because there was not a day that went by that I didn't have something to do. And I'll be honest with you, that was my, my the, the scariest thing in my head was the most scariest thing in my head was how am I going to stay busy? You know, what am I going to go and do? What are the things that are all these activities that I'm going to, you know, am I going to be able to do anything all day and keep, you know, and fill up my time? And I'll be honest with you, Mike, there hadn't been a day since I left corporate America that I just haven't been just really, really busy working on different projects, working on underwriting for certain investors, working on being an asset manager for investors, you know, working on fix and flips, working on my own rentals, working on the property management side. There's just so much to do whenever you get out in the real world of business. You will never be left without things to do. Yeah, you bring up a very good point. It's almost like you have all these fears and the fear never even came true. You wasted all this energy thinking about something that wasn't even real. Because when you're out in the business world and you start to have all these doors opening for you, there's there's new people to meet. There's new ideas, new software, new you know deals to go look at. All of it is uh, based off of you having time. And so the more time you have to invest in those ideas and solutions, the more you can grow your business. So thinking to yourself, man, I don't know if there's going to be anything there for me, that's the wrong way to think about it, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and you you can't go and do and create those opportunities because you do. There's times, you know, when you absolutely have to go create them because that's what we do as entrepreneurs. You know, we create our own path. We don't we don't wait for it. But you can't do that sitting in an office working a nine to five job or a twelve to fifteen hour in my in manufacturing. You know, I was there all the time. 12, 15 hour days was, was not, you know, that was the norm. That was nothing out of the ordinary. So not a lot you can do sitting in an office with someone walking in telling you, hey, this project's due tomorrow. You got a timeline. Have you gotten all 30 vendors on board with the new pricing, so to speak? Was there a defining moment that kind of pushed you out the door? Because I can think about a day when I was 30 years old, sitting at a bar by myself, just drinking realizing that if I was doing that one year later, I would probably be suicidal. So I said at that bar, hey, by December, I think it was 23rd, I'm out of this corporate job. No matter what, if I even didn't have another job lined up or no income, that's the date. And that was sort of a defining moment for me. Do you have anything like that? Yeah, you know, it had been working on me for a while. You know, the feelings as I would walk in the door from my vehicle to the door each morning, you know, my whole mind was racing on what, you know, I had to hurry up and get all that. And my, what am I going to do this afternoon when I leave here from a side hustle? Because I was already doing it. You know, all of the just anxiety of I couldn't create a good, solid plan because I was in the mornings. I get up early and I start planning my afternoon when I leave my corporate job. So I noticed that if I could move the needle this much by planning for two hours every morning. Imagine what I could do. How much could I move the needle if I had eight, 10, 12 hours to focus on my outside, you know, at that time, my side hustle. And at that point, you know, it really started registering with me that all it takes is grit, determination, sacrifice, you know, persistence and creating the roadmap in order to, 
have a solid plan. And if you have that solid plan, then it's just about following the plan. And when you have roadblocks, hurdles, and hiccups, take the damn machete out and create a different path. Like we say in the book, create a different path in order to be able to go around it, over it, above it, through it, whatever you got to do. And that's what it takes. And that's that mindset that that really pushed me and said, you know what, you can do this. And it was basically giving myself permission to say, you can go out and do this. You know, and then and then after that, I started feeling a lot of burning anxiety as I was sitting in that office because all I could think about was how much time I was giving someone else and creating their millions a month, you know, and, and building their dream and, and, you know, promoting them as a manager whenever all out and you know, I was sitting there wasting my time when I could be out, you know, building my own business. That's a really and, good point. And it, it worked out. And uh, and that was really my defining moment. But just sitting there each day, I, I, it, it would burn me inside, knowing that I could be out to create my own way. Yeah, it starts to eat at you at a certain point. And uh, you have a chapter that says, just start something. Now, we talked about the all-in mindset, which is in the book. And I do yeah. believe you have to go all-in. It sounds like you, you did it in bite-sized chunks. You started to get a little extra money and then a little extra money. And so self-confidence really started to increase which then you realize that it was more valuable to be working on your business than within your corporate job. So then you uh, you you just you went out and went and started your portfolio from start to finish. I mean, it's it's your baby from the beginning, right? So yeah. I guess people had to believe in you before they started to believe in your projects and your businesses. So I guess if you were a part timer, I guaranteed you'd be turning off other people saying, "Oh, he's only in it for." couple hours a day. I don't, I don't want to invest in him or I don't believe in him just yet. The moment you went all in and you were starting something, what happened? Did people treat you differently? Did you start to look at yourself differently? Tell me about that personal transformation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you meet the right people, I'll, I'll say that if you meet the right people, you will become getting pushed and motivated by those people. Um, and I, and for me, it was like I had an owner that I he gave me his whole portfolio, which was about 104 units. Like so 104 units on property management at seven or 10 percent or whatever. I can't remember what we're managing it for at that time. But, you know, 104 units at, at that point in time, he basically said, you know, hey, I know you you're thinking about leaving your corporate job. You know, I don't need you thinking about it. I need you doing it. He said, because if I'm gonna give you 104 units, it's gonna take focus from you and it's gonna take you know a lot of time for you to, to manage these units. And keep in mind, I have my own units at the time as well, but there was a strategy for taking on these units and managing someone else's asset along with managing my asset. Um, that was the deal that you and I talked about. I ended up actually purchasing 68 of those 104. So so you know, that was a lead. So I picked up a pro I, I started the property management company in order to basically create a funnel and lead generation for properties down the road that maybe I could buy or, or I could, you know, put a deal together with the owner and a buyer, you know, make make a fee off of um, you know, make make some money off of construct or structuring deals. And that was my passion and something I really love to do. But yeah, he he treated me differently. Um he didn't like the fact, you know, that I, that I could only give three or four hours in the afternoon after I was burnt out from a 10 hour day in my corporate job. He didn't like that. Um, you know, I was in that state of mind. 
keep in mind, he was a guy that was somewhat I brought in as like a mentor for me. He worked for Lowe's, left Lowe's back in the 60s, late 60s, and started building houses. You know, he's built over 400, 300 something houses in his in his career um, and built his own rental properties. So, you know, if you surround yourself with the right people, yes, they start treating you different because all they want is to help you. And see, I was I had a mind block on that because I was so stuck in the corporate America world where everybody around you wants your position. He didn't want my position. He wanted me and him to become partners in some way, shape, or form. It's a great, that's a great uh, uh, point right there. Basically, when you are in the corporate world, it's almost like you're fighting for a position and you're not technically on the same team. You're not really helping each other. It seems like it's a very individual approach. But when you are around other entrepreneurs, if you win, they win. If they win, you win. And there's an alliance that's built. And there's nothing like that, right? So when you have the strong alliance built, it's almost like you can just go twice as fast, three times as fast without much effort. Yeah. Absolutely. That's great. So uh, the book, whenever you put the book out there, I mean, people probably knew your story. Did people come to you with questions? Did you notice that individuals out there were going through the same pains that you went through or... Tell me a little bit about the journey since you put out the book and maybe some of the questions that you're getting from individuals. Yeah, I'll say one, one of the really uh, one of the cool messages that I've received is um, my bookkeeper and accountant. Um, a lo- she's local to me. She actually sent I think she posted this actually too on Facebook, but she sent me a little clip where someone and that and this person doesn't know me at all. That, that, that she, you know, put my, she promoted my book or like posted it or something and somebody went and bought a copy of it. And as soon as they got the book, they started reading it and they sent her a message and said, Hey, this John Evans guy, I bought his book and it's exactly what I needed at the exact time in my journey. And when <laughs> he sent me that, it was like, that's the one person <laughs> that I was looking for, you know, and she and this was like the third piece of feedback that I had gotten, she was like the third person that had given me some feedback. So early on, whenever, you know, we went out and, and posted the book on Amazon. So she, she was one of the first ones that bought, I think she bought multiple copies to give to people, but I was like, that's it. That's why I did it. That's what I was looking for. And, you know, since then I've gotten several IMs. Um, I've had several people call me and, and, you know, and tell me, Hey man, started your book. I'm on a third chapter. You know, hey, the sixth chapter, man, I really like that one. I think I'm going to jump to that chapter next. And, you know, so that's a cool experience in, in where I am in my journey because I really love and it's a passion. Everybody knows me, knows this. It is really, and I don't just say it, I walk it, talk it, and I mean it. My passion is helping people, you know. Um, and I just love that I was able to connect with you and your team, and, and you guys were just such a uh, blessing to me in order to, to create my my dream a reality and um, and helping other people has been has been the feedback that i've gotten it has really helped people and um and that that's how i feel like i've been treated differently is because now i have some uh what do you let's see i have some roi to put behind it right mm-hmm. return here i have some people saying hey you know what you have helped me and hey this john guy i got his book and uh it's what i needed in this point in my journey and and, that, and that's that's my roi you know that, that that's where i think i've i'm being fulfilled through it that's awesome that you say that. And uh, I appreciate it, man. It's been an honor to work with you. It's been very easy to work with you too. It seems like you follow instructions very well. My team appreciates that, but you made it easy on us. So I appreciate uh, 
you know, the kind words. You made a great testimonial that that um that still sticks out. I remember you sending me the testimonial for the entire team. Uh, we were really thrilled that you put that out there. Uh, this is really about the mindset. And so when you are out there now talking about what's inside the book, do you think that's the hardest piece for people to master? Like I made a post earlier today and it talks about how in order to build a business, you first have to build yourself. I think the mindset had to come before anything else, because if you're weak and insecure and not confident and uncertain, nobody's going to invest in you. You're not going to have the 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 will to go out there and take on the world. So do you think this is the hardest part to master? And I guess you can master it very easily with your one instruction of just getting around high performing people, joining masterminds. And I know you're a big believer in this. So how did you start to upgrade your your mind? Was it through books, through podcasts, masterminds, or just working with people like Nate Hirschberg? Yeah, that's a great point. So Nate and I, now that you bring him up, Nate and I actually were in, in Moab, Utah, through the Legacy Entrepreneurship Mastermind. And something that stood out to me, I always had is the books you read, you know, in my mind. So the books you read, um, I mean, a, a massive shift can help you shift your mindset massively, you know, and getting around people. But but there was a guy there that I met, uh, Lee Ekstrom, and he's an awesome dude. It's, uh, and I think I, I might have sent you something on Lee, but but I met Lee there through Nate and Mike um, Wingard, which is the Legacy Entrepreneur's founder. But Lee was a keynote speaker, and I was a speaker at this event along with Nate. And Lee said, it's the people you meet in the books you read. So the people you meet in the books you read. And, and it stuck. I was like, wow, you know what? That's exactly what I've had in my head the whole time. I just didn't realize, you know, it was that simple. <laughs> it's not, but it is, you know, and talking about a post, you know, I made a post this morning too, just hoping it helps someone. But, you know, in the small business world, I've struggled a little bit, Mike, because I came from a fast paced environment. You know, my, the elevator service industry that I was in for 12 years, a billion dollar business. I mean, we were roughly 12 to $13 billion company. I'm not saying billion to, to, to make it look like a big number. It's true. You can get online. They're publicly traded, you know, but if you made one mistake in that billion dollar industry, it was significant on costs. So you had to be so careful, but you also had to take risk and you had to drive hard every single day. So it's such a fast paced environment. In the small business world, I have struggled because, you know, just yesterday and in my post, I put this, I had a vendor tell me yesterday and my, my time and my brain works in seconds and minutes. I'm constantly on to the next thing, on to the next thing, on to the next thing throughout my day so I can be productive and efficient and help everyone around me that needs me. Um, you know, if anybody needs me, but if someone calls on me, I'm firing on all cylinders to try to help them. Cause I always go into fix it mode when somebody calls me with an opportunity. Um, we try not to say everything's a problem. It's an opportunity, but the vendor was like, Oh yeah, I'll get to that next week. Sorry. I, can't, I don't have that information for you today. And this was yesterday and I won't get my answer until next Tuesday or Wednesday. So now here I am, I'm on the phone looking for a different source and I found it um, at 3 p.m. today. We'll be able to get our our, uh, our answers met or our requests met. I'm not waiting until Wednesday or Tuesday or Wednesday. Love I, that. Love that philosophy. Like, why would I wait? I'm not waiting, dude. I'm resourceful. I'm going to find it. Like I said earlier, you got to go around it, over it, through it, under it, whatever you got to do. But in, in, the, in the entrepreneurial world, if you're waiting, guess what's happening? The guy behind me is now passing me. That's <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and, 
Yeah, and what you just said is your standards, you're t- you, you don't tolerate that anymore. Some no. probably the, maybe the former version of who you were basically would say, yeah, okay, I'll just wait till next week. But now you know that time is such a valuable asset. Okay. This is what your answer is. I'm going somewhere else. I'll do it on my own. I'll figure it out. That's the mentality you need. Great point. Yeah, absolutely. So sorry to cut you off there. That was really good. I just want to get that in there. But yeah, you know, that, that's been, that's just really been a struggle for me. So in my, so where I'm going with that is, is like what I have found is there's a lot of, um, uh, you know, people that have been thrown into the small business world, whether they've inherited a business through, you know, a uncle, a family member, a mom or dad or whatever. And maybe they grew up in it, but they grew up in a lot of brute force businesses where, where there wasn't a lot of processes and procedures. It was just, Hey, go out, grind and hustle all day long in order to be able to make ends meet working in the business and not own the business. You know, and and I see a lot of that, a lot of it. So, you know, there's a lot of business owners that they do well, um, but it's kind of happenstance. It's not necessarily that they did, you know, all the right things and produced all the right procedures and or the policies and procedures and processes. Um, but they put good people on their team, which is one good thing they've done, right? I mean, that, that's a that's a good uh, characteristic of an entrepreneur or a business owner or a leader is finding the right people to help operate your business, but I see it all the, all the time, man. A lot of people are still working in it instead of on it. Um, so the really the trajectory for growth is uh, stagnant, and, and uh, they just don't really ever get their full potential. And that's been a struggle for me uh, to be a part of that because sometimes I'm in that in an indirect way, whether it's a vendor, a supplier, or somebody I'm working with. They're kind of on their own time, and their time and my time is a little bit different. One of the uh, subchapters within your book is hesitancy is the enemy. I love that phrase. It makes me think of a movie called Point Break where he always says, uh, or he said something in the movie where it was, fear causes hesitation. Hesitation causes your worst fears to come true. And I totally agree with that. So hesitancy, there are people out there who have started a business, maybe had a side hustle, failed miserably, potentially in front of many other people. And now they have a, uh, uh, a, a trigger finger that's that's not being pulled ever again, right? They're too shy. They're they're nervous. They're going to fail again. The more they buy into that, where they'll fail again, the more likelihood of the, them never ever starting, which means they're going to lose time. Did you ever struggle with that? Do you see people who've actually started, maybe got into real estate, failed miserably, and just never go after the dreams again, causing them to lose momentum, self belief, time, youthfulness? And therefore, the worst dreams, the biggest fears will come true. Yeah, I've seen it a lot. I think what happens here is um, I, I was never I was never that type just because I'm an extremist. Um, so kind of everything I do, I just do it craziness. You know, I go I, if I don't if I don't sleep all night, I don't have to, you know, if it takes two hours of sleep, get up because you got some big project that you, you know, maybe you were prepared for. But hey, an obstacle come up and you had to get around that obstacle. So you have to do whatever it takes from time to time in our world in order to be able to move the needle. But um, I see hesitancy sometimes in a lot of people. And, and what it tells me is, you know, they've created a plan B, which means their plan A uh, was really not, they weren't, they weren't serious about it. Because if you create a plan B, that means you didn't believe in your plan A, right? So <laughs> that's right. right. Yeah. You got a safety net. Uh-oh. You don't believe yeah. in your plan A. Hey, that's why I left $163,000 a year job because I didn't want the plan B. I didn't want the safety net anymore because I believed in my plan A. 
And I'll stick by that. And I'm, I really mean it. You know, I, I even have team members right now, um, you know, I'm helping because they, they have a little, they have some hiccups on their self-worth. They don't think they're worthy to be in that leadership role and to operate one of our companies. And they absolutely are worthy of it. They need to quit thinking, you know what, I've always been in the field, so I can just go back to the field if I want to. No, you're not going back to the field. I'm throwing you in the fire and you're going to operate this company because damn it, you're worthy of it. And I know you can do it because I've already seen you do it. Stop thinking about plan B. There's no more plan B for you. You know, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I say that to, uh, uh, even a team member, you know, Ashley, of course, um, yeah. she's really, she's, she has really grown over the past couple of years. And I always tell her, I'm like, you're ready for this. You're ready to manage people. You're ready to get on calls and talk to multimillionaires. Quit being shy. You're ready for this. So oh, yeah. it does take someone else to maybe instill it in you, you know, and it's almost like you have to have borrowed belief. Mark Evans, who we both know, you know, he's the one that kind of showed me the, the pathways within the business to create many different verticals. And, uh, and, and so I didn't believe in it. I didn't see the potential. It's just because my vision was not strong enough. He had the vision. He was able to instill it in me and then I was able to adopt it. So that's why with a book and being a mentor or incre increasing your influence to some degree, you might have some type of influence over another person that could move the needle in their life. Right. And I guarantee you see that they trust in your word a lot more and therefore they take action. Yeah, absolutely. And you said it right. I mean, it, you know, mentors and just your surroundings is so important to the mindset piece that we're talking about here, because if you don't have that, then guess what? The urge or, or the, uh, the hesitancy and the plan B's and all of that is just it's always going to fester and always going to come up. And a lot of times when things get hard, people always revert back to it if they've kept it hanging around. So you got to kill it and you can't you can't keep it hanging around. And that's what a good mentor, good masterminds and good people in your circle, you know, will push you and, and, and help you thrive to get past all of the hesitancy and the fears that you have. So you can start shifting your mindset in order to believe believing that you're worthy. And like I say in the book, you don't cap yourself because you're worth more. You don't cap yourself because you work more. So he said, yeah, you don't, yeah, you don't cap don't cap yourself. Because you are worth more. Oh, you are worth more. Yeah. Great point, right? So people put this, this dollar limit on their hourly wage or how much they're worth a year. I realized, yeah. and maybe we could talk about this. I realized that if I had a bill that was for $3,000 and I was dead broke and I needed it by the end of the month, I'm, I'd figure it out. I know I, I figured out how to get that bill paid, right? Yeah. And I kept thinking to myself, why can I always make ends meet? Am I just worth 3,000? But what if I made it 100,000? Could I figure out a way? And the bigger the problem, the bigger the answer, right? So I just thought, well, why don't I make these limits? Not because they're mandatory bills to pay, but why don't I say that's my goal and that's the problem? How do I solve this problem of how much money, how many clients to serve, or what I need to do to hit a certain level in my career? Make the problem bigger. And it's amazing how the answers become a little bit more... Uh, evident to you. Is that right? Yeah. And, and, and you, you bring up, I'm glad we're hitting on this real quick. So how many times have you asked a person or been talking to someone and they tell you, a lot of times you don't even have to ask, they go, Oh yeah, man, I just want to make $10,000 a month and I'll be financially free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry, bud. You're not going to be financially free. <laughs> and I'm like 10,000 a month. 
look, I get it. You got to start somewhere, but you need to be thinking bigger even at the start than 10,000 a month. Cause right now, 10 grand a month is, doesn't take you hardly anywhere with what we're dealing with. But so, so, you know, for me, it's like, okay, I, I believe in steps, but my long-term goal is, is infinite. Like there is no number eventually, because if, if I put that on myself, it may, it's a hundred grand a month, then it's 400 grand a month, then it's 800 grand. And then it's in, infinite because if I can get to that point where it's just there's the money, the number and the money is just it's it's a, it's a byproduct of, of me being able to help more people in abundance. Hey, that's where I want to be. I want to be infinite. I don't even have that number. You know, my long term goal and vision is is an infinite number because it's just, you know, it, it's as much as can it, that, that can roll in. So I can then turn and roll it into other people and other things and other businesses in order to be able to impact the world. It's uh, it's pretty clear to me that if I said I want to make a million dollars, it's amazing how the law of the universe, there's gravity uh, attached to it. So you may get close, right? You say 800,000 or 900,000, you'll come close. But if you say my goal is 5 million and you come up 80% of that, you're still so far ahead of that $1 million mark. So I just kept thinking, all right, our metric especially since everything has kind of come together is 15 million in a year. And uh, in order to do that, there has to be a lot more involved than just doing books. So that helped me reach out for partnerships and alliances and new, uh, new ways to serve our clients. And now it's looking like we can hit that much easier than uh, just through just doing books alone. So it makes you think about like, how can I serve my tribe in many ways to help get us there? Because don't you look at money as sort of just like energy? And it means that it's a way of gauging how much you're actually assisting the marketplace, but how much energy you're giving out to the world. So if you're making a lot of money, chances are you're leaving a lasting impact on those around you. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. It is 100% correct. And the motion of the money, you know, you need, you know, I, and we've talked a little bit about this too. I think I even put it in my book. You know, it's it's real when you hear people say fast money, medium money, and slow money because you know the motion of the money needs to be one way. It needs to be faster one way than the opposite direction, right? So you don't want you know more going out. You know, one of our businesses right now we're we're struggling a little bit because we hadn't fully stabilized it yet. Where you know I was actually I was in a meeting this morning with one of my business partners and we were talking about how. You know, this month alone, because it's the 28th and we're looking at the books, we got more going out and we got coming in. Okay, what's the root cause? What's the reason? And, you know, trying to figure out the motion needs to be the, the opposite. The motion in needs to be a lot faster than the motion out. Um, you know, so, so we, yeah, we look at all that and I, and I agree with you 100% on, on, on the way you look at that. So tw- chapter 12 talks about giving, it says, what does giving mean? Hint, it's not just about money. And being around people like Mark Evans and uh, other high performers, I've noticed they're big givers and it's with their time and it's with their money and it's with uh, different um, ideas. So tell me about chapter 12. What is this one all about, man? Because the great ones I think they're out there are, are great givers. Yeah, 100% where, you know, when you make posts and you start you know, doing things different than you've always done. You know, like for me, everybody kind of knew I'd worked at the at the company I worked for. They knew that, you know, I bled, the, the company colors were blue. I bled blue. A lot of people used to say that, you know, all the time. So when I moved out and jumped out on my own, um, you know, then, then you start getting known for, for other things, the business you're in or real estate, or he does a lot of deals or, 
you know, what have you. So you post things when you do well because you want to inspire other people. You're not bragging. You know, and I was always a little shy about it because I felt like people would think I was bragging just because all of a sudden I'm doing something new and I'm making money, making you know more money now or what have you. But for me, it was it's not about how much money I can go give because there's a lot of times I give money to things I never tell a soul about it except for the person on the receiving end. They're really the only ones that know. Um, and my wife and I, we we do that a good bit. But it's more about like the time and the impact on other people is is the giving you know, the giving muscle, if you will, for me, like I love pouring into other people. Sometimes I'll probably do it even more than I should because I might sacrifice some time at home with my family, which is where I'm really giving the most to, right? Because that's where the foundation starts. That's where the foundation is. So you really need to pay attention to that more than you are the money and more than you are time with others and all, all of those things. But I really like to pour into other people and I really like to show people that there is different ways to get what you really want and what you're worth out of life and creating your own journey. You know, so for me, that's really the the optimum on the giving side is that. And then once I see someone and I'll go all in on an ideal with somebody, but once I see someone, if I believe in it and I believe in them, if I see someone taking those actions, you know, and taking down the things you're talking about and they're putting them in action and they're actually creating a better path and moving the needle for themselves. And they were to come to me and say, hey, man, I need some help on something. You know, I need 10 grand or I might need some money or I just might need a push. You know, I want to be that person to them, you know, because I want to give them my time first, get them in shape, so to speak, and then put them out there and let them go see what they're worth all on their own. Get them in shape. That's awesome. Get them prepared, right? Money doesn't solve all the problems, but money behind the right person with the right mindset absolutely does. So it's the rocket fuel. It can be. There's a lot going on. We'll switch gears here. Um, there's a lot going on in the real estate market right now. I'm seeing a lot of people make changes, you know, diversify and and start to maybe adjust their game plan. What are you doing? What are you seeing? And uh, what do you think the next two years looks like? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we've seen a slowdown. Um, not that much, though, here in my market. We have some large announcements, huge announcements from our economic development department. We have industry moving into this area. Uh, we have a large industrial park that has really blown up. Um, so I think we have a battery company coming in that's producing over 1,100 jobs. Okay. So for me, because I'm diversified in real estate, I'm not a realtor. I don't want to be a realtor. Um, I'm on the investing side more than I am on the transactional side. I'm not, a, I don't want to be in the hamster wheel. of I got to go chase, chase, chase. Um, I have the rental properties that I own and that we're managing. So we get to see a lot of the market, you know, changes, what's, what's, what's going upwards, what's going down. And right now what we're seeing is like, I'll tell you, for instance, we have 400 and I think we're back up to 432 some odd properties. Now we're managing along with what we own. Um, we only have four units right now. Well, six units right now vacant. And those are under renovation. Everything else is full. I hardly have any inventory. Um, we have a, a great team running that that business right now. We meet with them, you know, and, and talk about it uh, on a weekly production meeting basis. But, you know, we're able to fulfill everything we, we can, which is an obligation to our owners, but also an obligation to the community whenever they need rental. Uh, rental properties because they're moving into the area. On the housing sale side, what we're seeing is 
there's been a small slowdown, but we have some track builders that have moved into the area along with some really well-known builders that are constantly building. They're still building. They haven't slowed down because we have a shortage of housing. Uh, when there's a shortage of housing, the rental market does pretty well here, uh, which is why, why I'm in that business. Um, on the flips and the fix and flips right now, we have uh, three going. One, the contract, just to give you a quick example of how, how some of the things I'm seeing. One contract, it fell out due to lending the DTI for the buyer, which we should have, the realtor should have told us early on, but they didn't. Um, but we get down to the bottom of the night, they fall out of contract because their debt income ratio didn't meet criteria for their specific lender. We got out of the contract and the very next day, due to being resourceful, uh, we were able to get the, pro- uh, the property under contract with a cash buyer. We closed Monday at 3 p.m. So, no doesn't mean no. It just means we need to figure out another way. That's it. Yeah. They're there. You know, the, the opportunities in real estate right now are there. But here's what I'll say. There's no way, shape, or form like you could a year or two years ago. You could sit back and wait on them to come to you. Right now, you got to go after them and get them. And that's what separates the people right now doing the one or two real estate deals every quarter to the ones doing four and five every quarter or more every quarter. Um, is is there's opportunity. You just got to go out and find it and create, create that opportunity, create that path to go get it. Beautiful. Yeah. So you're, you're not seeing too much happening, right? You're still playing the same game. It's just maybe different approaches to that, uh, those, uh, those problems or those investments you want to get into. So like you said, maybe it's a little bit harder to find people to get money from the bank, but Cash buyers, once there's blood in the streets, there's a lot. There's a lot of people who are going to reap the rewards if they have the cash, right? So you can find those people who are ready to take the action on that. It's awesome. Yeah, on the multifamily side, I'm seeing where a lot of these guys went out and you know and raised money um, on a uh, uh, we call it where they're uh, going after a, a whole like crowdfunding, so to speak, or, or um, you know raising money for big deals, and then they bought syndication. Them. Syndications. There you go. I had a my brain block there, but syndicators, you know, they've gone out and they've either, they've gone and got gap funding or bridge lending in order to get the deals done a year or two ago and everything was so hot. And I'm going to tell you right now, they're getting their lunch eaten because a lot of them have come up where they, they have calls because they're at their, uh, their IO periods are over and they're having to get new debt. And when they do, they have a, a interest rate now that's at 8.25 or 8% and they didn't underwrite the deal at 8%, they underwrote the deal at 3 or 4%. So now they've just doubled what their payment's going to be, and the cash flow does not support the deal. So Ooh. I'm seeing some of those deals are now surfacing as well. Um, had a call on one last week. So, you know, that that's coming too. I think it's coming more uh, probably in the next, when you ask about a year or two, uh, I think you're going to see a lot of that uh, pop up within a year or so. And last, there's a way they can get creative uh, with the banks or either maybe creative with some private capital to get the private capital to buy the whole deal out and then they restructure it on the back end. Go back in time to your former self, right before you got into real estate or started your side business or got into property management, what would you tell yourself to kind of expedite the timeline to success? Buy speed, you know, get it, buy, put the money where it needs to be, invest in yourself first. Do not try to start anything. When I say start something, I mean, start looking at yourself in the mirror, start spending money on, on your self-development, buy books. That's the way you can spend money. I'm not saying go out and spend 10 grand. 
I mean, buy a freaking book that costs you 12 bucks. I mean, that's a start. You know, start reading, start getting those things in your mind and start changing the way you think about things. But but you can buy speed. And I mean, just buying a simple book sometimes. I've heard people say, man, you know what? That book changed my life. It made me go all in on Rich such a poor dad. I think we both agreed, right? This yeah, is the one changed Absolutely. my life. If you haven't read this book, pick it up. So continue. Yeah. Sorry about that. But you're right. I mean, 100 percent, because a lot of people, man, they just want everything so fast and they think someone is supposed to come drop it in their lap. And that's just not how it works. You know, and you and I are proof of proof in that, you know, but but I would tell myself I would go expedite my education by buying speed. I would go buy book more books. Um, you know, I'll buy sitting in the rooms with people like you, people like, you know, the Nates, the people like the Mike Wingars, the Ed Mark Evans, and all of those Tim Rots and all the ones that are really doing good things for a lot of people and they're doing it the right way. Those are the rooms you want to be. I'm not buying e-com stores. I'm not buying some bullcrap speculation. I'm buying real hard assets in order to be able to, you know, change the trajectory of my path. So I believe that that's something, you know, I would tell myself, because believe me, I was one of the ones that jumped in and said, okay, I'm going to go buy an e-com store. And burn, you know what I mean? So <laughs> I've learned what not to do so I can actually help and speak on what to do because I got the experience now. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to comment. Yep, that was me too. I know that I bought the e-com store too. Uh, you bring up a good point there. I'm telling you, your asset, your greatest asset is you. If you are in the right room, surrounded by the right people, reading the right books, there's no chance that you're going to be in a, of less value a year from now, right? There's only going to be appreciation. And that's why the more books you read, the more masterminds you join. And I used to think, John, I was one of those guys that said, mastermind, that's like a fraternity. I'm not paying for friends. I swear to God, I used to believe that. And yeah. then I read Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. I heard the word mastermind. I'm like, oh, if these guys are doing it, um, let me look into it. The, the first mastermind I ever joined uh, that was really Arate, I believe, 365 Driven, Tim Bratz's Legacy Family, Mark Evans, DM Alliance, then DM Family. Like you said, I was just buying speed, right? Speed to access, but speed to information and then speed to people that I wanted to share, you know, this journey with, right? It was almost like the core values were totally in sync and that makes life and business so much easier. So yeah, build you before the business. Last question I have for you is other than Rich Dad, Poor Dad, what is a book that somebody who's listening to this podcast or watching it on YouTube needs to pick up? Um, in addition to your book, obviously, which one that will ch that will change their life? You believe? Yeah, I got a couple. So one would be the Go Giver uh, is very near and dear to my heart. I think I probably got another forty in my upstairs closet, but I give them out a lot. I write little notes in them. If I ever go do a speech, you know, I like like at a university, I'll try to give them to a college grad that you know needs something to motivate them and push them. Um, it's about a little business story. It's really cool, but the Go. The slight edge is very, very, uh, was very good for me. Um, and then another one would be uh, Winning. I think it's Tim Grover that wrote that one. That one's very good as well. Damn um, right. I'd say those, those three are really good uh, to, to read, but, but there's a lot more. Um, and I think, did we put that in my book at the end? I, uh, I thought it, the Go-Giver was definitely, I was about to say, I remember hearing about the Go-Giver. I don't know where that's at. Gotcha. I couldn't remember if we put a page in there of uh, recommended books by me. I can't if there remember. is, it's not in this uh, draft. This is one of the original drafts. So I'm not sure if there is in the in the final one, but there may be. 
Anyways, those three you said are definitely important. And I want to end it with this quote. It's an amazing quote by Jim Rohn. He's one of my favorites. I would say he's the goat when it comes to speaking on stage. Let others lead small lives, but not you. Let others argue over small things, but not you. Let others cry over small hurts, but not you. Let others leave their future in someone else's hands, but not you. Freaking awesome. That fits you to a T, man. John Evans. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your time. I know you got a busy schedule ahead of you, probably closing a big deal. So uh, thanks for being on the Million Dollar Stories. Where can they uh, get a hold of you? Yeah, uh, Facebook. I'm on Facebook a good bit. I like Facebook. A little bit on Instagram. And then, uh, you know, we can put my work email, john at b-alliancecompanies.com. Beautiful. Get in touch with him. He knows his stuff. And he's definitely a guy you want in your circle. Thanks so much, John. Remember, guys, writing a million-dollar book will lead to a million-dollar life.